You're listening to the Blogger at Large Travel Podcast with founder Megan Singleton. Her tagline is the word in travel, and you will find nearly 1,000 posts filled with the best travel tips, ideas, and inspiration from around the world. Thank you for joining me. It's great to have you, Teresa Bell-Pulsey, with me today, Vice President of Tourism, Sports and Visitors Services of Destination DC. And you've been in the role coming up 20 years. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks for reminding me that I've been in my position for 20 years. I started when I was 15 years old. Yes, so, you know, but it's been a great 20 years. The city is incredible. And I've seen oh, so many changes. And so it's been an honor to be here in this stint of time. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to that. But firstly, first and foremost, for anyone listening this week, as we record this podcast, you've got the mighty All Blacks playing this weekend at FedEx Field. Uh, and that is a very big deal to us Kiwis. Um, is it a big deal over there? Absolutely. And we are we are so excited um, about this game. You know, there are a few sporting teams across the world that have world recognition and the All Blacks is definitely one of them. And so um, we have ticket sales are going incredibly well, considering that the rest of the world has been locked out um, of the U.S. Um, And unfortunately, we couldn't open the borders you know, a little sooner to get everyone in, but ticket sales are just doing fantastic. And in addition to that, we also um, are um, going to have our Army, Navy, uh, rugby teams going to be competing as well. And so it's really going to be just such a, a fantastic full day. Oh, okay. Um, over as the FedEx curtain raiser. They're going to play yeah. first, are they? Okay, awesome. Yes, they sure are. It's <laughs> going to be really great. So an Army-Navy always has a huge rivalry here, um, especially in our particular region. Right, yes. So it's going to be wonderful. Oh, we love live sport in America. My husband and I travel a lot, and we go to as many live sport fixtures as we can, wherever yeah. we can. Um, we were at the All Blacks games in Chicago against the USA in 2016 and then against Ireland in 2014 and it was a sellout and and because mainly I we noticed Kiwis had come from out of the woodwork they were there from Canada from the Caribbean from um from you know Europe and um so it was a really big big deal um and so it's exciting to hear that the Americans are all wanting to (laughs) rock up and see the All Blacks play yeah, we're going to hope that we can live up to the expectations to make sure that the All Blacks feel as welcome as possible oh, here in the United States. Oh, you States. always I'm... do that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're looking forward to the ceremonial portion of it as well. So that's been um, heavily publicized over here. Like the haka and stuff, do you the mean? The haka, or... absolutely. Yes. So, yes. you know, usually in American sports, especially for um, for football, our uh, American football, is a lot of times people, you know, aren't always there at the kickoff portion of it because they're out in the parking lot tailgating. Sure. Uh, but everybody is actually going to be at the game um, at the very beginning because they want to see this. It's going to yeah. be amazing. Actually, just to digress, can you explain for um, my New Zealand listeners what is tailgating? Uh, tailgating is when you get to um, your your game um, a considerable amount of time early and you sit in the parking lot and you bring your car and your friends and your music and your food and grills and you really and you just bring have the grill. basically... 
you bring the grill and it is a huge party right at your car. And so you got your own parking space and everybody comes and you just have really a really great time. It's like being at a picnic um, outside before the event happens. So a lot of uh, a lot of cheer starts at and, that time. So you're prepped for the game. I've heard that uh, some people just do tailgating. They don't even buy tickets for the game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, because a lot of people, too, you know, you would be surprised. Some of these, um, you know, it's not just your car. Some people have vans. They'll bring trucks. And they have TVs that are hooked up in there. So they're just actually watching the game from the parking lot. And it's the energy. You know, it's the energy of everybody being there for the same purpose. That's a a good budget way also to get to a game, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But tell, tell us about what's the latest with uh covid protocols i mean we here in new zealand i'm in auckland so we're still in like a level three lockdown and they're just mandating you know mask wearing all over the place what what's the what's the deal with you guys at the moment yeah uh, yeah absolutely washington dc is 100 percent open all our museums restaurants bars our schools everything is getting pretty much back to I hate to use the word new normal, but the way that the new normal is the only uh, restrictions that we have is if you're indoors, you do have to wear a face mask, Um, except for, you know, for outdoor events, you know, such as, you know, going to the rugby game, you do not need to wear a mask outside. So large outdoor events are all open and, you know, we're trying to get back to, you know, being back in person again and really, um, you know, celebrating as, you know, one big family. Do you have sort of a vaccine passport system or a a vaccine proof that people need to show? We don't um, across the board in the city itself. There are some venues such as our our theaters. Um, A couple of our restaurants um, are requiring proof of vaccine just because of, you know, when, especially for theater, if you're, you know, having performances um, that they'll do that. But if you visit our website, which is Washington.org, it's all outlined specifically you know, if the Kiwis come over, you don't have to worry about that because you're going to be vaccinated anyway. And yes. trust me, you will have your proof with you because you won't yeah. be able to get on the plane without that. Yeah. Um, so every, you know, other than that, it really is business um, as usual. There's no place that will require a negative test and a proof of vaccine. So everything is open. Okay. And so over the last 18 months to two years, Obviously, um, you guys would have been shut down for a bit of time. And then I guess domestic tourism was what carried you over. How's that been? Actually, domestic tourism has been doing really well. I mean, every city, I think, in any country that you are, once you start to open, that's that's where you go to. Your your people, you know, may not want to get into an airplane just yet because they don't feel as secure, but they want to get into the car and take the family somewhere. And so our weekend business um, has been extended you know, basically it's a Thursday through even a Monday kind of stay. Uh, we were DC as may, may, the big cities like DC or New York, uh, Chicago, all of us were hit pretty big because about 50% of our business comes from meetings and conventions. Sure. And so the, the leisure business is the one that's really carried us. But what's been really unusual is the length of stay for domestic leisure visitors, usually like maybe two or, you know, two to three days. And it's been extended to three to five days because people can work remote um, from their hotel room. And that's that's been predominantly the trend that we have been seeing oh, over yeah. the summertime. Well, that's a nice segue into telling me about some of the nice and cool and fun and new things that are happening in D.C. It's been a while. Well, at least a couple of years since I've been anywhere, quite frankly, <laughs> Teresa. But um, um, but what's happening in DC, you know, like if Kiwis could come, let's say we might be able to come next year, what will we see 
that's new and different. Well, hopefully you will be able to come next yes. year. Let's uh, say that. We're going to definitely keep pushing forward, especially with our borders opening next month. Um, November 5th or November 8th is um, seems to be the day that things are opening. Um, and we're ready for you. We um, actually took a lot of advantage of the time that everybody was in lockdown. We had 26 new hotels that opened up over oh, the course, believe it or not, during the pandemic. Wow. Um, and so, you know, that base um, was starting to build. Uh, we opened up two new museums, very unique museums. One is called um, Planet Word. And then our National Children's Museum opened up as well. And so, you know, again, you know, kind of broadening the base of the types of visitors that we have coming here, gearing toward families what's um, that are what's coming in. Word, sorry to interrupt you. Can you just circle around what that what's that about? Yeah, it's really it's I actually just went there um, with my uh, 16 year old. Um, we went there and it's an immersive experience on how people use words for communication. And so, you know, they have like, say, for example, you go in there and they tell you the history of how language is communicating to different people. And, you know, rather you do it through music or poetry um, they have like a room in there that you can do karaoke. Um, it talks ah. about marketing and how people are using words to influence okay. um, people's decisions on how they're dreaming and seeing different products and things like that. It was very, very, very good experience. Gosh, who would have thought you could make a museum out of something like that? And then yeah. I'm imagining the Children's Museum is quite immersive, interactive, is it? Definitely, absolutely. And it's really geared toward kids probably around 10 and under okay. um, because you really are kind of getting the toddlers, what we call toddlers, you know, really kind of hands-on experience and touching and feeling and really understanding you know, how wind moves and, you know, how sound is created yeah. and, you know, um, things like that. And it's, it's a very great museum. Yeah. I can, I can imagine taking some kids there that I know, actually, I won't say my great nephew, but it is actually my great nephew. And it makes me sound very <laughs> old. It makes my lockdown roots look, <laughs> come to the floor, he would absolutely adore something like that. Um, and what about, is there new restaurants? Is there a bit of a, a scene? Of, is that all happening again? The bars and things? Oh, yeah. We took advantage also, um, which I'm sure a lot of you all did with with restaurants opening up when people maybe not felt as comfortable dining inside to create what we call streetscapes um, outside our restaurants to where we actually closed off a lot of the the streets and built the restaurants on the outside where the food would have been, you know, serviced on the inside and brought outside where you've got heaters and tents and people built these infrastructures to where you're still in an outdoor experience. And we know that, you know, weather does change um, and it really, and people have gotten used to it. And so they're going to be here to stay for quite oh, some time. Great. Yeah. And as you know, we are also a Michelin city. We have over 22 Michelin restaurants um, here and they did not close. So wow. we have, you know, a great dining scene here. Yes. Yeah. Do you know, there is just so much to do. I just finished a blog post on um, just things to do in DC and I had to just really be quite ruthless as to what I could, um, what I could include and what I had to leave out. And um, so I, I just can't wait to get back and, and see the, the, the evening scene. Cause it, to me, it seemed like Georgetown was, was sort of the place to be for mm -hmm. dining and stuff, but is that still the case or are you finding other little pockets opening up around DC? 
other pockets are definitely opening up. Georgetown is always going to be one of our key staples. It is one of the most beautiful parts of uh, one of our neighborhoods that are here. Um, we've opened up one of our new neighborhoods um, right pre-pandemic called uh, The Wharf. Um, and surprisingly, years ago, um, D.C. didn't build up along our waterways. And so we have two um, big rivers uh, that surround Washington, D.C., and now we have started our investment in building up in those areas. And so not only do we have the wharf that are bars and restaurants and outdoor um, theater that's out there on those waterways. Oh, wow. We also now have a water taxi that connects you to all these different neighborhoods. And so you can actually see Washington, D.C. by water, which is a very uni unique way to explore the city. Actually, I have done that. I think last time we were over there when you guys hosted IPW International yeah. How Wow for those who are listening, which is a big travel trade event is about 6,000 delegates come from all around the world to meet there. And we got the opportunity to go along the river and just kind of have a bit of a look around. Um, but that just makes me think of DC by night. Now that's quite something unique, isn't it? It's probably one of the most special things that you can do in Washington, DC. Um, when the lights go, you know, the sun goes down, our lights on our monuments light up. And it's probably one of the most special experiences that you can really see because you really um, can admire the beauty of these monuments and see it from a different perspective. And it is just absolutely spectacular. It's one of my favorite things to do. And yeah. when I have guests and vis visitors and family, we can do, you can do bike tours um, at night, or you can do just a regular tour at night. It really is something very special and throw a full moon on top of that. And it is yeah. just amazing. <laughs> well, you know, that to me, that's what I think of when I think of DC actually. And I think for New Zealanders, Washington DC is quite underrated. Like we don't think of it as, um, as, as our, you know, place that we need to visit when we go to the US. We probably have New York on that bucket list and we mm -hmm. would have, you know, Los Angeles, maybe New Orleans, but um, but DC by night, and I'll tell you what I really love about all of America, because just as a disclaimer, dear listener, I uh, was an exchange student in the US back in the mid-1980s. Shut up, I know. Uh, and I lived in DC. And so um, I spent a lot of time there. And I tell you what you guys do so well is your monuments and your statues and you honour people really well. And they're not just presidents, you know, are they? They're, you know, civic leaders, obviously. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that statue of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. kind of hewn out of the rock where you've still got the boulder that he's being carved out of is astonishing. I mean, the, you, you could just do a tour, couldn't you, of, of photographing monuments, statues, sculptures. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it's extraordinary. In fact, I must In different write. times of the day, in different seasons of the year, give um, a lot of those monuments and memorials and statues a different personality. Huh. Um, you know, just by facial, you know, um, expressions that you see, um, you know, the Korean memor uh, memorial yes. is one of those that, you know, see during the day, it's pretty interesting, but, you know, go on a foggy day. Oh, and it's yeah. something very, it tells a story without yeah. having to tell the story. Um, that is actually one of my favorites. And um, can you just tell us a little bit about what, what that actually is, the, the Korean War Memorial? Yep, it's one of um, our memorials, obviously, for the Korean War. And, um, you know, it was one of those um, 
uh, it's a, the, the way that the memorial is, it's a lot of bronze statues of the, um, uh, the soldiers that are walking through the fields. And so as you're, you know, looking at that, um, there's a wall that's there and depending on what angle you're at, faces start to emerge yeah. um, out there to really kind of put the human life yeah. next to something. Anytime you think about war, you know, sometimes you know why the war happened, sometimes you don't, but it really, you know, you forget that these people were yes. human beings and, you know, people who were there to, you know, protect your country for whatever, you know, mm. the purposes are, but it really kind of um, told, told the story of what they went through when they were there. And you can, they're seven feet tall, so they're oversized and you can walk mm-hmm. like right around them and you can get right up in their faces and take a photo that is almost harrowing, isn't it? You know, yeah. the expressions on their faces. I really love that memorial. That is actually one of my favorites. Yes. Um, but then you go down to the World War Two um, site and that is astonishing, you know, mm-hmm. what they've built there. And they just got so much space, haven't you, with the National Mall being as huge as it is. You can build reflection pools and you can build enormous um, memorials to things. It, it, it's you could, How long would you think, and people probably ask you this, would it take and firstly just give us a number of Smithsonian museums and how long you think you would need to see them all? So um, somebody else has asked me this question in my lifetime and it, it would be hard to say how many years it would take you, yes. but maybe even a lifetime um, because, you know, you have 17 Smithsonian's, including, you know, the National Zoo um, that's there. And to go see every single exhibit, because remember, each museum, which are all free, by the way. Yeah. Um, that's very important for, for Kiwis to understand that when you come here with your family, there is a lot to do that isn't going to cost you anything at all. Yeah. Um, to really, I mean, rather it's American History Museum. Um, you know, natural history. So like you go to natural history, you've got dinosaurs and you've got the Hope Diamond. I mean, you know, a lot of that just depending, you know, takes, you know, two, three, four hours sometimes to go through just depending on what your, what your passion is when you go into what your purpose is when you go into these museums. And you've got the insects in that museum, including I remember one time the bird eating spider. Oh God. Well, you know, you guys have uh, more insects uh, than I've ever experienced. No, no, no. That's Australia. I think you might be thinking of Australia. We've got very little here. We we don't have, we don't have snakes. We don't have spiders. We we have little house spiders, but um, yeah, when we go to somewhere like that, we're like, what's astonishing um, to us. Hey, can you just update me too? Because when I um, lived in America, I lived with a family who my host dad worked for the CIA And so I came to D.C. a few years back and we went all together to visit the International Spy Museum Mm -hmm. where you get an identity and you've got to go around and not give your identity. Well, I totally got it wrong and I gave my identity everywhere (laughs) we went and would have got shuffled off and arrested and whatever. But he sailed through, as you would expect. Um, But that museum has has moved or it's new something at the moment. Yeah, what's going on? Absolutely. It moved to a new location uh, just before COVID. COVID. Uh, and it's actually three times the size of oh, wow. the old museum. So they, they had a lot of art artifacts that were in archives that they wanted to bring to the forefront. And in addition to that, you know, they wanted to make it more immersive and, you know, more hands-on yes. um, to where, you know, yeah, you had an identity when you were going through the old one, but now it really is interactive to make you understand um, all the different personalities 
you know, as a spy that, you know, things that you have to think about and who that was at that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, was that an outside car horn in DC? Yeah, that's there? a horn. I'm I so sorry it. about no, that. I, it's awesome. <laughs> it means you're really there. Yeah, I'm really here. <laughs> um, so, Teresa, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been an absolute privilege to talk with you and to hear some of the new things that are going on in DC. And we'll do it again as soon as us Kiwis are allowed to travel and um, might even do it right there in your office. Great. Well, Megan, I really appreciate it. I know we are all very anxious to see your beautiful faces um, in our city um, very soon. Uh, the New Zealand market is incredibly important. Y'all are our sixth largest largest market um, here in DC. So right? the sooner, oh, wow, cool. yep, the sooner we get you all back here, yeah, you know, we can all you know get back to, yes. to a good way of life and and welcome you all back when when the time is right. Definitely. Thanks again, Teresa. Have a great day. Bye bye. Thank you, Megan. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Blogger at Large Travel Podcast with Megan Singleton. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can read more at bloggeratlarge.com or follow on Facebook slash bloggeratlarge to ask a question or find out how to have your business featured in an upcoming episode.